welcome to a new episode of Thinking Aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And today we're going to be talking about The Flowers of Taipei, Taiwan New Cinema, a film from 2014, directed by Chin Lun Shi, which is now on movie. What, what did you think, Richard? This documentary about the new Taiwanese cinema of the 1980s wasn't quite what I was expecting because it's not really a history of the movement or a, a story of the context of it in Taiwanese culture. It's more about international reactions to those films. So it it interviews um, kind of international directors and critics and people working for film festivals about their experience of those films and what they meant to them when they came out. I hated the film. I, I have no better understanding of Taiwan new cinema, of, you know, the the culture of production, distribution, exhibition, the themes, the, how it came about, what was new about it, etc., than I did before I started the film. It really does feel self-serving. So, you know, she interviews all of the major programmers who, you know, they were the people who circulated these early Taiwanese films uh, abroad, but, you know, who continue to be major powerful figures. So, you know, she really talks to, to all of the powerful figures on on almost every aspect yeah so uh, film programmers film journalists filmmakers from China Thailand Japan producers right they're often not necessarily people who had any relations with that cinema or those mm. filmmakers I mean you, you wonder why is this film structured in this way why are these the subjects of the film rather than some others why are there so few interviews with the major figures? I mean, they could have gone to the archive and dug up interviews with Hu Shaoshen. And, and actually, I really also kind of, I know that Edward Yang and Hu Shaoshen are the major figures, you know, but there were others. It would have been nice to have some information about them, who they it, were. That, that was odd. And, and I mean, there's, there's a brief new interview with Hu Shaoshen at the end. Nothing with any of the other directors. I mean, obviously, Edward Yang is, is, is no longer with us, but the, the others, as far as I know, are. Um, so that that felt quite odd, and, and throughout you're constantly told, oh yeah, Edward Yang, Hu Shaoshan. You, you see clips from some of the films of the others, uh, but you're not really told anything about them. The only one of the the interviewees really says much about Taiwanese cinema outside of the this narrow context, which was Olivia Assayas, who talks about you know there, there there was earlier Taiwanese cinema and there was a sophisticated Taiwanese film industry, and and, and does talk a bit about it. Um, but he so, yeah. ends up speaking mostly about, you know, how these films are superior to new wave cinema from mm. China, which I think is absurd, right? Mm. And why mm. do you need to posit that kind of, you know, binary? I mean, you know, they can both be great. And in fact, if you've seen those films, they are absolutely great. I mean, if you want to bring it up as a discussion about why mainland China cinema was different than Taiwanese cinema, it makes sense, you know, but it's a kind of a real boys whose dick is bigger kind of argument, <laughs> both, both there and later mm. on amongst the two Chinese filmmakers, you mm. know, near the end. So I think this is, this is really an absurd, offensive film, I find, you know, it looks very expensive. Mm. Right. All of those trips to Tokyo and Thailand. And it's so interesting. I was, I was looking at the credits of the people interviewed. Right. And, you know, in chronological order, it's on the web. Mm. Uh, and of course, uh, they miss out on uh, a Pika Pong 
Vera Sentakul, yeah, the very famous Thai filmmaker. Well, you know, they devote so much time to going to talk to uh, a Pikat Pong, you know, in his house by the pond. Right? And there's all these <laughs> stupid lingering shots of, you know, the water in his house. I mean, you know, what the hell? Like, <laughs> and he says, oh, I, I love those films because I used to fall asleep watching them. <laughs> yes, the same way that people fall asleep in my films. And, to, yeah. you know, to let him get away with that. I mean, in a way, it feels very moody and poetic and actually kind mm. of sleepy and dreamy. Right. But why? Right. Like, you know, what does he have to do with Taiwanese cinema? I mean, mm. maybe he does have something to do, but actually it would be good if the filmmakers pointed it out or indicated. It, it, it's just people who, yeah, who, who enjoyed those films or, or were influenced by those films. I mean, I, I struggle to see who the film is actually aimed at. If you're watching this film at all, it's because you've probably come across the films of Hu Xiaoxian mm. or Edward Yang. You have an interest in that cinema. So then, you know, the objective should be to make us familiar with more of the work or the rest of the work or the history of the work or the context mm. for the work. I mean, this fails on every count. And really, it did make me angry. Because I see it more as one of those British uh, vacation shows, you know, where the presenter says, I want to go to Venice. How, how do I get the BBC to pay for my trip to Venice? Right. And then you do a show about Venice. Right. Yeah, like you, yeah. you know, you bring your friends and you go to eat all the, in all the restaurants and the BBC, you know, the, the public taxpayer you know, pays, right? So the objective is not to explain Taiwanese cinema in all its magnificence and complex histories and its development mm. and so on. It's to meet IYY or that producer from Tokyo or, you know. Well, yeah, but I mean, most descriptions of the film just say a group of filmmakers, including Ho Shan and Edward Yang, and it doesn't even name the others. Well, the reason for that is because the film doesn't give you enough information to name them. You don't have yeah, enough, yeah. you know, you sometimes get little excerpts from some of their films, you know, but you can't attach a name to a face, right? Mm. So therefore, the whole objective of this exercise comes asunder, if that was indeed the objective. They deliberately have, the, at the start of the film, this kind of five-minute bit with a, a Taiwanese um, theatre maker, and he kind of gives this potted history of... of like Taiwanese politics and culture at that point and how the Taiwan cinema, new cinema came about. And then pretty much says, well, that do. And then he wanders off. And it's kind of, so it's kind of they're deliberately saying, yeah, that's all you're going to get. There's an interesting point. I think one of the more interesting interviewees, as, you, as you'd expect, is Tony Raines, who is interviewed quite a lot in this film, um, who makes a point about the, the difficulties with, for a kind of, let's say, mainstream art house audience engaging with some of these films um, internationally because they're, they're often focusing on elements of Taiwanese culture and history that are very important, but they're little known outside the region. And so you know, something like City of Sadness or Time to Live and Time to Die or whatever are, are focusing on some Taiwanese history that people outside don't know about and not explaining it. And then this film does exactly the same thing by not really explaining why this stuff happened. You know, if you were aiming to have a better understanding of the cinema or a better way into these films through watching this documentary, you will be sorely disappointed, mm. right? And then you think, well, what is the film for? I mean, we could have done a better job, you know, with our limited knowledge. I think we've only gotten to 1986 with mm. whose films. And, you know, I li we literally could have done a better job. 
Well, we certainly, we, we certainly both of us seem to have seen more pre-1980 Taiwanese films than anyone involved in that. Yes. <laughs> like more than none. <laughs> and that's important. I would have liked, yeah. you know, for example, very interestingly, there's a wonderful image at the beginning, you know, the very rare archival footage that they use mm. of a cinema, which I imagine must be in Taipei, though you're not told, with, you know, this huge cinema with tons of colorful posters plastered mm. all over of Jackie Chan in some film, right? Audiences in Taipei must have been seeing those Jackie Chan films, and they were also seeing, you know, these Taiwanese films that we've been seeing. And mm. yeah, they kind of, and I was thinking, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to tell us this history, right? Yeah, you yeah. Know? And they just don't. I do find there's something obscene about just going after the rich and the powerful, uh, often in very plush settings. It's often the yeah. lobby of hotels or, you know, the entrance of the Rotterdam Film Festival. I mean, you know, there are a few other scenes there in the classroom or whatever, but... And, you know, I'd, to sort of compare it with two much better films, the, you know, there's Film Farsi, which I, I think gives a, you know, a fascinating overview of a, of a, of a period of cinema. And, and that's how to do a film about a period of cinema and a, and a bunch of films that people aren't familiar with. And a guy from Fengyang, which is the the film about Jai Shankai, uh, which again is is a you know, documentary about a, you know, a filmmaker about a certain type of filmmaking, which does manage to explain the context and does does manage to um, give a you know a good overview to even to someone who hasn't seen the films. Why make a film about a new wave? Well. You know, kind of because it made an impact, right? <clears throat> and you know, presumably, it made an impact. Uh, these films certainly made an impact on world cinema, right? So I'm not saying don't talk to filmmakers about how the films uh, influence them, you know, because that's clearly part of it, right? But it's only part of it. You know, there's uh, the reason you're watching these documentaries is to find out more about, you know, how this came to be. Yeah, kind of what was the context for it? Were there political or structural economic things that, mm. you know, uh, facilitated it or blocked it subsequently? Why did it last such a little time? You know, I, I, there's a million questions. Yeah. I mean, there's there's one point where Tony Raines said, he's talking about the first time he met Edward Yang and Edward Yang comes to the London Film Festival um, with In Our Time and he's brought along a bunch of tapes of, of other Taiwanese New Wave films. Uh, so you can promote them. And Tony Raines says something like, because of course they were, they were all very supportive of each other at that point, <laughs> which kind of, oh, is that, oh, there's a story there, you know, but then we, then we never hear. Yeah, um, that, so, that raises two questions, right? Yeah. What made them supportive at the beginning? You know, what were they supportive about? You get the story that Hu Shen sold his house to finance mm. Edward Yang's soccer story. I mean, that's an incredible bond to do that for yeah, someone, yeah. right? So what led to it? What did they share? You know, and then kind of how did it end? You know, or did it end? Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, and that's just about the two filmmakers that you know. What about the others? Yeah, Ho Shen was starring Edward Yang's film. Edward Yang was starring in Summer at Grandpa's. You know, they were producing each other's films, they were financing each other's films. Ho Shen was writing scripts for some of the other films that we saw. So, and a couple of the interviews, interviews in the film are saying, well, of course, it wasn't really a cohesive movement. Well, but maybe not, but this was a group of people who were collaborating on these films, as, at least as much as, you know, uh, you know Truffaut and Goddard. And, and why Arder, you why know? wasn't it a cohesive movement? 
I yeah. mean, why was it less of a cohesive movement, you know, than the French New Wave? After all, you know, the French New Wave's main goal was really just, you know, to shake up the norms of the white telephone film, right? Mm. Well, you know, this was shaking up norms. This is completely different to the cinema that went on before in Taiwan. So, kind of, you know, why is this not a movement? If you're comparing it to Italian neuralism, that it, it didn't have, you know, a philosophical idea behind what cinema should be, well, mm. perhaps, but also how do we know, right? Like, show me proof. You know, so at the beginning, one of the interviewees says, you know, this was greatly influenced by the literature of the period. How was it influenced? Who, you know, did these novelists work on these films? Right, like a million unanswered questions and even more that were not even asked. <laughs> For instance, what, I mean, one of the other Asian filmmakers talks about the first time he visited Taiwan and seeing people in the streets who were... Uh, that when they were speaking, they were they they were kind of moving from speaking Mandarin to speaking the time the local Taiwanese language, which again raises that interesting question about the films we were watching last yes. week. Um, never brought they, up, they, never brought up, never even mentioned. We see one pre, I think it's it's like a 1960s film. We see a clip from um, which is a glossy color film. My assumption is that that must that film was in Mandarin, but because. If it wasn't in Mandarin, there would have been Mandarin subtitles to that section. So again, we're, see, we're seeing a mainstream Mandarin film. We're not seeing one of the local films. And the, the other thing, which I thought was really, really funny, at the end of the film, you get this slightly snooty interview with Hu Shen, where he, he's, it's very much a kind of uh, young people today <laughs> sort of interview, because he's saying, oh yeah, there's no new ideas these days. There are, there are all these new film, filmmakers in Taiwan. But, uh, but then, then he says, uh, and he says oh, yeah, but there are no new ideas. And then they show, they show a clip, and I don't know what clip the film's from, but I'm assuming it's from a Hu Shen film we've not watched yet, of, of a group of teenagers riding motorbikes. And it's exactly like the opening from Dangerous Youth. <laughs> Um, but I don't think that's quite what he said. What he said is that everything has been done before, mm. right? That what young filmmakers have to do is respond to their reality. That's what mm. is new, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. And they have to figure out a way of kind of using the form to, to express that. So, and, and what he's saying is that, you know, that hasn't, he doesn't quite see that. I, I hesitate to say don't bother with it because, you know, I'm of the view that the more you see, the more you know, the better, you know. Personally, I found it unsatisfactory, but what I did like was the, you know, the, the, there are a huge number of clips from, mostly from Ho Shao Shen and Edward Yang films, but from some of the other films as well. Um, and I think it, you know, it gave some interesting pointers to other key films that it would be interesting to see. Hearing about the impact of, of these films internationally in the 1980s is interesting, but it would have been interesting as a short part of a bigger film, not as the whole film. I mean, that's not enough for me because to be honest, you know, we've been reading articles on this cinema and one paragraph of one article, you know, that we read has more information on all of that, you know, yeah, than is evident yeah. in this whole film. I wouldn't urge people to see the film on that basis. I mean, I would urge, you know, people to see the film because it has, you know, it has clips. And actually, I greatly admire these filmmakers that uh, she talks to, you know, even though her questioning is banal. Apart from that, did you enjoy the film? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, apart, apart, apart from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? <laughs> to be fair, I saw it twice, right? Okay. And, well. You know, and the and the thing is that I saw it, I don't know, about two months ago when, 
or maybe a lot longer. When we first started looking at this, oh, cinema, no, okay. yeah. you, you told me it was available on movie, mm. and I thought, well, yeah, that'll be a good context to, mm. you know, to see. And so I saw it. And then this morning I woke up thinking, I don't remember a thing about it. So mm. it, it hadn't it hadn't made me angry the first time I saw it. It was only now with, you know, the knowledge that we've acquired and the films that we've seen that it actually made me very upset. Mm. Yeah. I think, yes, I think you, so perhaps that's true. If you, if you know, if you know nothing about Taiwanese cinema, you will find it more interesting. Than if, but, it, but as you say, we, we've learned, we've certainly learned a lot more from, you know, some very interesting blogs we found, articles we found, and just the access to the films and the access to the earlier films. And all of this stuff, by the way, you know, we've put as links in the blog posts. I think this has been my first diatribe on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Many more to come. <laughs> <laughs>